1: Welcome to a special episode of the Orange and Black Insider Bangles podcast. Uh, This is the listener question show. Uh, Second time we're kind of doing this and we've already got some interactions, some questions teed up, but you can always submit yours to us in the live YouTube chat. If you're joining us live, you can uh, send them to us via email, theobinsider at gmail.com. On Twitter at BanglesOBI, Um, we have the comment thread up at cincyjungle.com and Uh, You can also call or text us 949-542-6241. So we look forward to doing that before we dive right into some of these questions that I, uh, some of them already are pretty, pretty interesting. Once again, in case you're new to this program, or if you're a Cincy Jungle reader, and maybe you're not too familiar with our podcast, you can get this show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play. You can get it on Megaphone. And as I mentioned, everything's on cincyjungle.com and our YouTube
2: channel. Right, so I'm looking at the Cincy Jungle comment thread right now. Our first question that we had submitted is from Paris P101. He asked, who do you think will emerge as the wide receiver four by the end of the preseason? Are Josh Malone and Cody Kors roster spots potentially in danger from players like Tate on Tate, Morgan Stanley Morgan Jr., and Willis, Damian Willis, is another undrafted guy from Troy? So I think right now the wide receiver four is Alex Erickson, and I think that's how it's going to be. In, as long as everybody stays healthy at the end of the preseason. I think we've heard a decent amount of Erickson's involvement, not only with, obviously, the first string of backups, but also with the starters as well and how he could potentially be um, m- more rotated in with Tyler Boyd in, in the slot when they go in through our receiver sets, which is going to be the base of that offense. But I think he's wide receiver four right now because he's one of the four. He's like that fourth wide receiver who should be considered a lock-in for the roster because of his contract situation and I guess what Zach Taylor has plans for him to do but I I do think that you're you're right with when you're talking about Malone and Cora's roster spots I think those guys are definitely on the chopping block especially when you have a guy like Tage who has got another year in the system and the fact that they didn't draft another receiver kind of gives them a little bit more security but we've already heard some some rumblings about Willis's um the development and looking impressive in OTAs and I'm personally a big Stanley Morgan fan, so I can't wait to see what he does in training camp and the preseason. But I think having those guys behind them potentially pushing both Corum and Malone will definitely help out both of them. Maybe kickstart, you know, their development late in, in in their careers. But if not, I, I think they have solid options to, to to potentially replace them with. But to answer your question, I think Erickson will um, will keep his status as wide receiver it.
1: Hi yeah I'm not going to harp on um, and repeat a lot of what you said. I mean I think I think a lot of what you said there made sense. I'll just I'll just kind of add this. Um Erickson, uh, we've heard rumors throughout the offseason that he is a guy that the Bengals have had trade offers for and they de- declined them. Kind of interesting for a guy that's basically been relegated to minimal wide receiver duties and um, mostly kick return duties, but they they apparently think he's going to have a role, a big role of some kind in the offense this year. Um, you mentioned, John, that, you know, they didn't draft a wide receiver, so that may bode well. The uh, the Willis kid apparently, is, as Jeff Hobson noted, that he was doing really well in early camps. So, um, you know, that's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Morgan, you mentioned, is another one. I'll say this, it's going to be interesting. I mean, uh, Cody Core and Josh Malone are kind of the height, weight, speed guys, um, but not, you know, haven't really put it together as football players, I guess, at the pro level. Alden Tate is height, weight, but not really speed. Um, but, you know, it's I would think they would have to they want to keep one of those bigger guys um, maybe as a red red zone target or something like that. One of the only big guys at the Rams, if you want to use the Rams as a barometer, they had Josh Reynolds, who's close to six foot three and 200 pounds, not as big as Alden Tate, but one of their bigger receivers. He ran a 4.57, four, 40. Um, I think Alden Tate was about in the four sevens, um, maybe is a, I mean, he, he was up there. So, I mean, there's a little bit of a difference there, um, but it's, it's going to be interesting to shake out. I think you're right, though, with Erickson being the number four wide receiver. Good question there. We have a question from uh, 901 Area Code. I believe it's Dan from Tennessee. Uh, I believe it's Dan from Tennessee. He actually notes that it's Dan from Tennessee. So it is Dan from Tennessee. Uh, Greetings. Love the show, Anthony and John. I want to talk about one scheme that Marvin really never really committed to, and that is the screen pass and the rollout. We face some really good defensive fronts in the AFC North and around the league. To Neutralize the pressure and keep Andy upright. Finally punish the stunts. I'm hoping Zach will install this game because we have some talented running backs. I believe he will. I believe he will too. I think this team is poised to be a run heavy or at least pretend to be a run heavy team. Um, You know, they've got the backs to do it. It's going to depend a lot on the offensive line. Uh, if you joined us for this week's kind of big show, we talked quite a bit about the offensive line and how the Bengals are tinkering with a lot of things, adding even more interior alignment. So they're probably trying to find the right guys to run these types of zone schemes, play action schemes, guys that can move around, get to the second level. Uh, they they have some athletic guys. Michael Jordan's one of those guys. I think they can do it. Billy Price can do it occasionally. Um, you know, so they've been kind of reinvesting in some of these things on the offensive line. Uh, Joe Goodberry, I don't have the tweet in front of me, but he put out an interesting uh, set of statistics that if you're on Twitter, you can kind of check out basically Andy Dalton on, uh, with play action. Um, you know, that's not necessarily truly rollout schemes, but in play action formations, play action passes, he has a very high rating and some of the highest passer ratings in, in games of his career. So, um, I think this makes a lot of sense. I think it would take pressure off of Andy Dalton. And, um, you know, if if the if the protection can hold up, John, I think that that is going to be a major key to what the Bengals want to do this year. And, and heck, that's what the Rams did last year.
2: Yeah, and, and and both screens and rollouts are designed to nullify a pass rush and gain easy yards. But just just when looking back at, you know, the, the Bill Lazor offense and the Ken St. offense, it almost seemed like, they were doing those kinds of plays just to hit a quota and not actually, um, you know, taking advantage of anything that the defense is giving them. And they're just kind of running them to run them and not really utilizing um, the, the the concepts and utilizing their players effectively as much. Just looking at like rollouts, you know, you would see Dalton all the time, kind of hold the ball a little bit too long and just throw it down to the tight end who's already covered by the linebacker who recognizes not really looking downfield to to, to to take advantage of the play fake itself. And with screens, like we've seen. G- like Giovanni Bernard blown up a lot on swing passes and screen passes because they're, they're just not run effectively enough. And then when you compare that to the Rams offense and how so much space is created with them because they have different route counts ups down the field for those rollout plays. And obviously, you know, whenever Todd Gurley, you know, caught, hauled in a screen pass, he, he was going almost the distance every time. So there's definite potential with both of those. And I think it just comes down to smarter play calling when utilizing both and just not calling him to call them just, just to, you know, shake, shake things up a bit. So I definitely think that running them more might not necessarily net more positive results, but running are in the more effectively running them in smarter situations is definitely the important thing that I think that comes down to Zach Taylor and both Andy Dalton uh, recognizing when to maybe switch to those plays or switch out of those plays, depending on what the defense is giving them.
1: Yeah. Good question. You had noticed another one in the, in the chat, uh, the, um, the comment thread at Sitsi Jungle, I think, right, John? Yes. We got,
2: we got technically two questions back to back by, Lilla J 18. The first one is who do you guys think the starting three linebackers will be and how much of an impact you think Malik Jefferson will have? So Malik Jefferson is definitely the wild card of that group. But I think the starting three right now, I think they want it to be vigil Brown and then they're going to give Jermaine Pratt every chance to take that either weak side or strong side linebackers. But I think they want him to be weak side to, to replace Vontas perfect when they're in that base It'll be more interesting to see which linebacker goes comes off the field because I think right now they have both the Vigil and Brown um, on on the field when they're in their nickel sets. But I think those will be the three linebackers. I don't think that that's up for much to, for the, for debate. And I think Jefferson will obviously be active because I think he has value on special teams. And um, I, I remember last year they were talking about Jefferson having the capability to play you know all three linebacker spots. So I think that is definitely going to help. And I think down the road you you still want Jefferson to potentially take a starting spot. But I think right now with, with, with vigil still here, I, I know he's got under the last year of his contract and with the investment in Pratt, I think those guys are going to be the three. I don't know if you think any differently. Uh,
1: I don't. Um, I, I will say kind of, I just will add this Pratt. I don't believe has signed his, his contract right. yet. So that's kind of interesting. Usually with this, the CBA that was signed in 2011, you know, there's not really, I guess, holdouts. Um, I don't want to say he's holding out, I guess, but um, that's just kind of an interesting facet to this whole thing. And you would think that a guy that they want, I'm sure they want to start or be a heavy rotational player on defense. They want him there um, and they want him, you know, ready to go and not, not be put behind. So hopefully he gets signed pretty soon. Malik, Malik Jefferson was one of my favorite picks of last year's draft. I kind of had some high hopes for him. I knew he'd be a developmental guy that would take a little time, but if he ever reaches that potential, I think he can help this group quite a bit. I don't think he'll ever be a, like a Pro Bowl guy, but, um, you know, at, at his best. So I think, um, you know, he's a guy that uh, could come in and uh, potentially help this team right away. We've got a call on the, on the line here, too, John. Uh, I'm going to put this on the line okay. here. Hi, this is the Orange and or Black Insider. Who's this? How you doing? It's Terrell. Terrell, what's going on, buddy? Hey, how you
3: doing? Uh, I I woke up this uh, this morning, uh, saying about the Jonah Williams thing. I'm like, man, like we just got bad luck on first uh, first round picks. Uh, Like, like it's crazy. Like, I ain't saying nothing serious, nothing like that. I'm just saying though. But uh, anyway, I was just kind of thinking, like, man, I I, I really want the second and third year players to really step up this year and help out. Like, I mean, not like. Jefferson, Jordan Evans, um um Tate, even, even um Erickson, just just some of the second and third, fourth year guys would stepped up and really be pros and I'd be scared to play against good competition. And um I I, I I at this point I really don't give a damn about John Ross. I'm not trying to bash through and all like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm halfway uh dare calling him a bus, and I'm I'm down there calling him. I'm like I don't know who wears him, Chris, Chris Perry, Achilles, uh, Achilles uh, Smith. I don't know who the worst.
1: Well, I I would venture to say Achilles Smith personally. That was just uh, that one set the franchise back quite a bit there. Thanks for calling in, Terrell. We've you you brought up some interesting stuff. We're going to talk about that. We've already talked about a couple of those guys, but um, you brought up some interesting stuff about Jonah Williams and others. Good to hear from you, my man. Thank you too. All right. All right. Um, well, for, for those who joined our, our weekly, you know, our regular weekly show, we talked quite a bit about Jonah Williams. There was a question, I think in the live YouTube chat, what's the latest on the injury? The latest on the injury is not very much. Um, most indications tell you that it's not very serious because he's not in crutches. He's not in slings. He's not, um, you know, in boots or anything like that, but, uh, you know, he is sitting out practice and there's been kind of a mums, the word type of thing with him. So, Um, In terms of Jonah Williams, there is that. We also, on this week's show, talked about the issues with the first-round picks and high-round picks of recent years um, getting hurt and not being able to contribute to this team right away. So I I don't want to kind of rehash all of that. Go listen to that episode to, to talk about that. But basically, from 2012 through this year, it has not been pretty in terms of first round picks, injury history, all that kind of stuff. The one thing I do want to talk about, which we've kind of been touching on a little bit uh, that Terrell pointed out there is the stepping up of the second, third and fourth year guys. And I think, I mean, obviously everybody wants to see John Ross. We just talked about Malik Jefferson stepping up, potentially playing some sort of a, a role on defense that helps this team. Um, we talked about Tate Erickson, but I, I think just kind of from a larger picture, John. My thing is those are the guys that are going to uh, those are the guys that are going to really shape this team in terms of it potentially being successful right away.
2: Right. It's it's the core of the team now, and anybody that was drafted um, before 2016 is either on like a second contract and is like a starter or is off the team because those draft classes before then were plainly awful. 2016 was really the reboot of of what this core looks like right now, and anybody who hasn't you know establish their role in, in some way shape or form they're going to be looked in a different light because this is a different coaching staff so this is definitely the time for them to step up and establish themselves as either a key contributor coming off the bench or a starter and you have guys like Billy Price that need to take big leaps forward you have guys like Carlos and Ryan Glasgow that need to you know bounce back from from injury and then you have guys like Christian Westerman who need to show something to, to make sure that he ma- maintains his status on the team.
1: A call on the line um, from, I believe it's Jason Von Stein. Jason, how are you? I'm doing well. I called. I screwed everything up. I apologize. No, <laughs> I think it was right before that. Don't worry about it, man. You could never, man. No, it's why, it's why good to hear from you. The cool hat. what's yeah, a hat? Where's your cool hat? Where's my cool hat? Uh, well, I yeah. I, uh, I I have a, a day job as well, Jason. So uh, I'm kind of doing this a little bit on my lunch break, and so no hats where i on on my day job um so uh no no hat that's more of an an evening recording thing i got you okay all right well now that's clear so hey mr misery is going over pretty well in
3: atlanta so thank you guys for doing what you guys do and uh i'm happy that we're all miserable together yeah
1: (laughs) well thanks for sending over that tune it's uh we've, we've put it on quite a few episodes for those of you who don't know there's kind of a uh, a, a jammy tune that we've put uh as an intro and outro to quite a few of our shows and this this guy here jason uh supplied us with that so we are grateful we, we we love uh promoting things and um you know it's cool that that you were able to send that over to us but uh what's what's on your mind about the the bangles today my friend well, I'll just say real quick, I really appreciate
2: you doing that. My father wrote that song. He's written over 5000
1: And
3: happy Father's Day to all the fathers that are listening and have to deal with all things bingles. Uh, no, no, I just love what you guys are doing. I just wanted to call and Thank you guys for being, uh, you know, keeping us
0: up to date. Uh, you guys really are the best news for the Cincinnati bingles in the entire
3: world. So thank you very much for continuing to support us and let us know what's going on. Hey. Love you guys.
1: Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, well, we, we're... Uh... We're doing what we can. We appreciate it. I know, since you know, we've we've got a, a group of writers. Um, you know, I've I've been paying a bit more attention. Um, th- thanks for calling in, Jason. Um, you know, I personally have been paying attention a little bit more to um, you know this show and trying to grow this show. And and my my co-host here is doing a great job co-hosting this show, but also does quite a bit of writing for the site. We brought on a new a new writer. Uh, I think it's Nathan Bagley, Bagley, um, who's who's doing some writing and and new stuff for the site. Of course, Jason Markham. You've got film breakdowns from Matt Minich. You've got uh, a couple of the Patricks, Judas, and uh, I can't I can't remember what the other. Uh, he goes by L, LB B Three Point Man. I think. Um, mm-hmm. So we've got we've got quite quite the staff over there, and um, you know we just we, we try and get you all the news. Um, we do get to go to some, you know, events. We've we've got access to players and whatnot. We've had them on this show, fortunately enough. But um, you know, we're still working on the full press credentials, so you know, we do have to kind of rely on some of the, the other news outlets or or Twitter to to break some of this stuff. But we appreciate that uh, the readership and the listenership of this show. And uh, thanks for calling in, Jason. Been a little while since we've heard from you. And um, thanks for that tune. I think I think you've got a couple of more in the live comment uh section here john before we do i just want to remind everyone you can get this show on itunes on on stitcher on spotify on google play you can get it on megaphone you can get it at cincyjungle.com all of our stuff as well as our youtube channel so subscribe to our channels leave us a rating and uh you know when we do these listener shows call in text in leave us a comment we'd love to hear from you
3: support for this show comes from sylvan learning and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
2: Yeah, I definitely think once Mike Brown gets word that we are the best in the world at breaking Bengals news, he'll definitely give us some some press credentials. Yeah, there
1: you go. There you that, go. That, that,
2: that's that's a long battle uphill that's still to come. Uh, Lilla J, 18-second question in the Cincy Jungle comment thread. Um, is uh, Actually, that hasn't little to do with the Bengals. It's who is your favorite player currently in the NFL that's not on the Bengals and favorite player of all time that never played for the Bengals. So me, I'm, I'm a young guy, so I'm only going to give answers of you know, players who played in the 21st century, but my favorite player right now in the NFL that's not on the Bengals is probably Aaron Donald. And I, I, he, he is a guy that Bengals fans are familiar with because he's always the guy that's been put like that has been put ahead of Geno Atkins in terms of ranking interior d- defensive lineman, but I think he's the best player in the NFL right now, and I, I think he's the most fun player to watch when for, for guys who don't have the ball in their hands, like just watching him week in, week out, and wreck the game in the, in the passing game and in the run game. He's the most dominant player in the NFL, and th- th- that that freakish athleticism and that the fact that he's doing it at like 270 pounds, just revolutionizing that position. He's just so much fun to watch and he's, he's a great dude. And I, I love watching him on hard knocks playing ping pong with his shirt off, looking like the Hulk. So I, he's probably my favorite player that's on the Bengals and favorite player of all time. I'm going to stay in LA or it's Southern California and go with L- Ladanian Tomlinson mainly mm-hmm. because he, he's probably not above Barry Sanders for me as the greatest running back, but just uh, again, w- watching him, dominate the NFL i think he had like 26 touchdowns in one year with the Chargers in that powder blue uniform so that combination was definitely lethal for me um also he was he was like a dominant player in like 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 the old mid 2000s Madden's and NFL Street NFL Tour so just growing up watching LT you know a guy that touched the ball 30 times a game 20 in the run game 10 in the passing game just in the tail end when running backs are really the workhorse of an offense and just the way he moves and his jukes and stiff arms and that one touchdown celebration. Again, all in those, you know, sick Chargers uniforms, that's probably my favorite player of all time there that didn't play for the Bengals.
1: Yeah. See, I'm, I'm a little more jaded than you are. I don't, I don't sit around and, Oh, I really enjoy. Well, I mean, I, I like watching the Bengals. I, I just, I do. So it's, it's tough to, and I, I actually find myself strongly disliking a lot of players around the league more so than just randomly liking people around the league, I'll say this, um, and, and my, mine probably won't be nearly as popular because these guys haven't been, uh, they're not stars. They're not overly successful, but, um, I've either interviewed them or know them personally. Um, I, or, you know, I, I've just encountered them in some form or another. One is Chris Conley, the wide receiver of, he was with the chiefs and he just signed a deal. I forget where he just went to, but maybe Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, I met him uh, at the NFL PA Bowl, and I interviewed him uh, years ago. I want to say it was probably four years ago now or so. Very interesting guy, highly intelligent. He's a guy that has had a little bit of success in the league. You know, he's probably never going to be anything above a number two wide receiver, maybe number three for any team. But uh, went to Georgia. He's got, like, this really large film knowledge he's got. He wants to write science fiction stuff, but he also um kind of uh, he, he wasn't overly hyped up as a as an nfl prospect and he's made a pretty decent little career for himself so that's just a guy from that standpoint i really liked i knew and coached mark sanchez in high school when he was there and he was a great kid i've seen Are you him. serious you yeah. coach
2: mark sanchez in high school
1: <laughs> yeah well yeah baseball yeah um so uh yeah and you know he was a nice kid then he is really I've seen him since he's been in the pros. He's been nothing but humble and great. He's he's great to my family. Cause we all know him. So, I mean, guys like that, I, I, I find myself kind of rooting for, um, I, I guess in terms of players that are currently playing that I like to, to watch play the game of football, Russell Wilson is the guy I like. Um, I don't necessarily dig on all of the kind of media, different kinds of attention that he gets, but, Um, in terms of when he's on the football field and kind of his backyard style of play and the fact that he's a little bit of an underdog because of his size. Um, I like that. Historically, hard to say. Um, I mean, there's a lot of guys, Marcus Allen and Walter Payton were two guys that I really liked watching, even though I was really young and saw them towards the tail end of their careers. Um, But those were two guys that I, I just remember watching that uh, were just kind of must-watches when they were on TV or something like that. So um, those are just a few guys that kind of come to mind uh, to for for that question. Were there any others in the in the comment thread, uh, John? That you felt thought, thought we should.
2: So through? Ants One Five Two is asking who is getting work at right tackle behind Bobby Hart, and I don't think either of us can comfortably answer that because we aren't given access to who's practicing. That's probably a question to ask towards training camp, but. UAW brief four one two had a couple questions. Um, he, he addressed Alex Erickson. We kind of already talked about him, but these are two questions: Will the Bengals keep three quarterbacks on the fifty-three man roster, and if so, where do you see them going light to accommodate the third quarterback? Um, starting with that, I, I don't think right now I'm comfortable saying that they will. Um, if both Finley and Driscoll keep you know practicing poorly, and then that goes into the preseason, I think that's then the conversation to have. But if they do go three quarterbacks, maybe they maybe they go light on the offensive line. Maybe they only keep eight. Maybe they maybe they go light on the defensive line. Maybe they go only eight or nine. Um, me personally, I don't think it's wise to have three quarterbacks. And if both your backups aren't very good, it's probably better to keep one bad backup than two. But if I were to guess, that's probably how that's going to happen. But uh, again, I think it would definitely be in the Bengals' best interest to only keep two quarterbacks and just have. Ryan Finley, be your backup that you're comfortable with, but right now it's not necessarily looking like the case like that.
1: Yeah, we talked about this a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago on the show, and um, you know neither, neither guys playing very well. Um, I, in terms of Driscoll and and uh, Finley, they haven't been showing up showing up very very well, and I think you know it sounds like based on the investment the Bengals made in Ryan Finley in the draft in terms of moving up for him and, and waiting until the fourth round that they they're comfortable that that is going to be their guy in uh, in 2019 as their backup. I don't think he's ever going to be starter material and, or a guy who will be better than Andy Dalton. Um, But we'll see, Uh, you know, he could be this, this quote unquote system guy. And uh, you know, they, he could blossom into a guy that they really trust and like. Um, But I think in an ideal world they keep two and it's Finley and Dalton, um, and, uh, you know, they, they do spread out, um, some roster spaces at some of those other crowded groups we talked about it on this, this week's show too, John, that, that interior of the offensive line, I think we, we said there's upwards of, you know, eight guards or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got guys, uh, that have guard tackle flexibility, like a, like a Trey Hopkins, like the kid from Texas A&M they brought in as an, uh, Keaton Sutherland. Um, a guy that you know played guard and tackle in college, so you've got these positional flexibility guys. So there's a lot to sort out, and I think if you're able to go, you know, two at quarterback and feel comfortable with it, I think you have to do that. You also have to figure you've got four talented running backs now on the roster um, with with uh, you know Travion Williams and um, Rodney Anderson now being added with Gio Bernard, with Joe Mixon, that position group tends to get kind of battered. Rodney Anderson is still rehabbing a knee injury. So, um, you know, and you want to hang on to that guy. Uh, So, I mean, they've got to probably get creative and quarterback might be one of those spots. They do that.
2: That's actually a good point because Rodney Anderson might be on the pup or it might be on like a week IR. So that might open up a, a, a chance for them to keep one of those quarterbacks because they might only go through running backs with Anderson out. But if Anderson makes, if Anderson is healthy to play, he's probably making the roster, I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's that that would be the to me that would be the most likely scenario in terms of what the Bengals would do to get a third quarterback. Then maybe you get 6 to 8 weeks or whatever, um 10 weeks maybe on the on the IR thing if it, if that's what it is with with Rodney Anderson designated to return. You get, you know, a half a season for Finley to kind of get his NFL legs under him. Get a little more acclimated to things, and then maybe you feel a little more comfortable. You can cut a guy like Driscoll loose. I I just think if it does come down to you know one one backup quarterback, and that's it, I think I think they're gonna go with Finley based on the the draft stock. This regime selecting him as opposed to Driscoll, that sort of thing. So uh, that's gonna do it for us today. We've got we had calls, we had texts, we had YouTube questions, we had. Uh, questions from the comment thread. We appreciate all the interaction. We appreciate you tuning in again. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, official podcast of Cincy Jungle and SB Nation. You can get this show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play. You can get it on YouTube, uh, the megaphone platform, as well as all of our material on cincyjungle.com. Anything else before we, we sign out of here, John?
2: Um, yeah, it it is Father's Day weekend. It's also the U.S. Open weekend. I'm going to see my dad on Sunday and hope you guys reach out to your dads and either, you know, say hi or whatever, just, you know, just stop by because, you know, it's Father's Day.
1: Yep. Good point. And, uh, dads also come in a lot of different forms. You know, some people have, uh, you know, father figures in the form of older brothers or, um, uncles or grandfathers, what have you. Um, So they come in a lot of different forms, not just your, your biological dad. So uh, celebrate father's day, how you see fit and happy father's day to all of the fathers out there. That's a great point, John. We didn't, we didn't give that little sign off on our weekly show this week. So um, good point there. And for those who maybe listen to a, another SB nation regional podcast in the network, maybe from a different sport, you may be hearing a little, a little commercial promo from John and I on our, Uh, on on this show. So uh, keep your ears open for that. And um, we're excited about the growth of this show and for all of the participation that you showed these, really these first two kind of listener show uh, that we've, listener show standalones that we've done. um, and, And we're excited to keep doing these. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.